It's the Sportzilla Show on 1310 AM Utica, 1350 AM Rome, ESPN Utica Rome, now on 96.5 FM. Oh, they're killing it. Usually means a motion and a run out wide to the right. Here's the handoff and to the end zone. Interception by the Giants. They'll preserve a giant victory. The Eagles have no timeouts. Wait a minute. Here's a free fly. I don't believe it. The Eagles pick it up and Herman Edwards runs it in for a touchdown. The Sportzilla Show starts now. Here's Rain, Scoop, and Matt. Those wings are hot on that show, Scoop? Oh, yeah, they get real hot. Hot ones? That sauce, the bomb, it pretty much hurts everybody. Uh, I heard there's some really, really good ones out there. Some great shows. Oh, the Joel Embiid, I love that episode. Kevin Love. Gosh, there's a ton of great interviews. It's just a fantastic interview show because they get these people hurting on these super hot wings, and then they sort of reveal and say things maybe they don't intend to. Their defenses are down. So for those that don't know, there is a Syracuse version of the Sportzilla show, which is from 3 to 4 on our brother station out there. has a Twitch channel you can watch. It's twitch.tv slash QSportsTalk. We're going to tell you a little bit more about that in just a second. But this dude, Bernie, who's a longtime listener of mine over on K-Rock, but he also likes his sports talk, he messaged me after we got off the air in the hour in between, and he said the Jeff Goldblum episode. I've seen that one. Is really good also. Yeah. Paul Paul Rudd, who's a Kansas City Chiefs fan, was also on that. His meme is going crazy. So I just wanted to say, as we got Scoop, Rain, the glue guy, the boss, Matt Page, and Utica City FC's head coach, Ryan Hall, not only are we going to break down UCFC and the weekend in St. Louis in our next segment at 5.15, he's going to join us for the whole thing. So we'll talk some Super Bowl and things like that. But I just wanted to say something on behalf of the show Hot Ones. Look at us. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Look at us. <laughs> and he's a Chiefs fan. Me- that meme's everywhere. We got to talk to you about the Super Bowl a little bit. I heard Absolutely. you filmed the commercial a little bit earlier. Uh, but of note, Comets Binghamton Devils tonight. Pre-game, Brother Station, K-Rock, 6.30. Scoop and I got you there. Glue guy will be in studio with us. The Nicole Ruddy interview is in podcast form. You can go find that at ESPN Sportzilla on Twitter, Facebook. Go ahead. What do you got? I have breaking news. Oh boy. Eli Manning retires. He did officially yes, retire? Just happened. Uh, I, I had a feeling he wasn't going to go anywhere. All right, well. We could talk about that in Freddie Kitchens tomorrow. Somebody write that down so we don't forget. That's, that's some that's some hot ones right Remember there. Remember when uh, Des Bryant was uh, saying maybe a couple of weeks ago that Eli Manning could save the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield should study under Eli and learn some things? That was, you know, that was a thing for about a day or two. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I'm guessing At- he didn't want to play under uh, Jason Garrett. <laughs> I don't want Jason Garrett yeah. under the Giants, but that's a whole other subject we'll get to. That's a sore subject. At ESPN Sportzilla on social media. Sportzilla Show on Facebook. You can like it there. Follow along on Twitter. You'll see the links to the podcast. At ESPN, you are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Wherever you get your podcast, you can go. Let's see. We'll start with Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Once again, Nicole Ruddy, the Clinton High School girls team coach, joined us yesterday. That podcast is there. It's getting a lot of listens. So, everybody, we've taken care of pregame. we got a lot more to get through. There's a Syracuse game tonight. We got Utica City FC. We've got, of course, Major League Baseball and the Hall of Fame 
inductees. We're going to we're going to talk about that. Obviously, the Super Bowl that I mentioned, Zion Williamson, finally his return tonight. We're going to break down a milestone for Carmelo. But that brawl, let's let's just real quick talk about that brawl. If you don't know, Kansas and K-State had a brawl and we, we were talking about and joking about it. It's gone all over social media. I've shared it. There is the we were laughing at JR and Jerry Lawler and the dubbed in audio. Somebody stop the damn match. Stop the damn match. If you haven't seen it yet, it's all over. And even though it's terrible for the game and you hate to see that, because you really do in all seriousness, you also have to step back and you're going to laugh a little bit. Have you seen that yet, Ryan? Uh, of course we've seen it. That's all the guys were talking about and showing in the locker room this morning. Did you see the Stone Cold Steve Austin version? Wait, definitely. I uh, saw so with the chair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, it sort of reminded us a little bit of the Harrisburg game. You know, I think it's it's a bit out of character for the Kansas players to react the way they did. But that being said, being in sports, you know, having it really happen to us three weeks ago, you know, sometimes tempers flare, um, the heat of the moment. But yeah, it, like from a spectator standpoint, I loved it. I thought it was very entertaining. Of course it R- is. Ridiculous that it happened, especially at the stage that they were at. Um, but I loved it. And As a coach, what do you say after that? Nothing that you can repeat on air. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, they're losing one of their best players. He's, I believe I read he's suspended indefinitely. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, Silvio Sousa is the player that picked up the chair. Yep. So I had suggested, do you, do you ban him from March Madness postseason play? We determined maybe you can't go to that extreme. It's kind of similar to the Dodgers, how you're not going to award them the World Series. I don't even know if they're going to vacate the Red Sox and the Astros with a Major League Baseball cheating scandal. Uh, but it, but it was pretty terrible. I actually have the audio for you guys in case you didn't see it. And that'll do it. This version and a block to finish. And the Sosa blocks it, and now the bench is empty. Just unnecessary. That's not good. This is, this is bad. Oh, this is bad. This is ex- no. Oh, this is terrible. Punches thrown. Yeah. And this could have ramifications going forward for both teams. Gordon stole the ball and. Souza walks over him, but it's a dumb play, and then you'll see the punch is thrown, and Souza just goes Holyfield, and Souza picked up a chair, which is even more ludicrous. You just can't do it. This is an ultimate example of losing your cool. Listen, we'll deal with the residuals as that comes out over the next couple of days. The Sportzilla shows are on the air, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, now 96.5 FM with our good friend Ryan Hall from Utica City FC joining us today. Of note, though, Q's football schedule is out. Scoop had circled a couple of dates on that. I just want him to point that out. Season runs from September 4th through November 28th. What did you circle? Now, the two games that popped out at me right off the bat, the home games, October 3rd versus Louisville, and November 19th, a Thursday with Florida State. I think the Dome's going to be bumping inside and outside for those. And, of course, I had circled, even though it's a road game, October 24th at Clemson for some pretty obvious reasons. Yeah, that's how about that one, Ryan Hall? <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence is still there. The dude has only lost one game, and it happened to be the most recent national championship game. So that's also happening. But Cuse got a game tonight. We were talking a little bit earlier just what to expect tonight. You're not going to see a lot of turnovers. They don't commit a lot of fouls in South Bend. The Fighting Irish do not. It's going to be a good game. It's a true test. It's a road game, but it's a team that's different than they were two weeks ago. I mean, we didn't even think NIT. Now you're playing yourself back into the conversation to at least get on the bubble. 
lost by one point last time. And you know they're thinking about that. You know Coach Beheim is scheming against that. He's going to look at the things they did that Notre Dame did last time that worked, and he's going to do little wrinkles to try to make things a little more difficult for him tonight. And he was pretty good when he did the same thing against Virginia Tech and Virginia. I wanted to point out, of course, uh, Jackson Thomas Beheim. Buddy Beheim is the co-ACC player of the week. We've talked about how he's getting in the lane, how this team is getting better. As Jim says all the time, got to keep getting better. Got to keep getting better. Well, they're doing that. There's a lot of little things that they have improved on, and I expect to see a little bit more of that tonight. But I wanted to pop out a few stats that if you watched our Syracuse version of Syracuse Sports, we already shared with you. Notre Dame, one of the best teams in the country at protecting the ball, 9.8 turnovers a game, second best in the nation. They lead the nation in assists to turnover ratio at 1.8. Notre Dame has committed 300 assists on the season, only 167 turnovers, and they have committed the least amount of fouls per game with 12.1. The entire nation. So there you go. Tall task. Buddy Beheim, most made threes in the league. Just saying. Every Tuesday, Scoop and I get a chance to have a conversation with Jim Beheim, and I thought, Scoop, why don't we share it with him now, since the game obviously is at 7 o'clock tonight. So here you go. In case you didn't catch the podcast or anything like that, here's Jim. Now, Jim, everybody's making a big deal about the win over Virginia Tech and Buddy getting the co-ACC Player of the Week, but before we get started on any of that and look forward to Notre Dame I want to ask, how is Jimmy doing in Cornell? We've asked you a few weeks ago to give us a little bit of an update. Yeah, he's been playing good. He was hurt. He was out for a couple of weeks with a bad ankle sprain, but um, they just haven't been able to win. It's just not quite good enough this year. He's having a solid year. He's probably averaging around 19, 18, 19 points a game, but they're just, you know, they're not winning. So he's upset all the time, which he should be because. You know, he wants to win games, but, uh, you know, he's getting better. He's really improved as a player. Not enough people are asking about how Jamie's doing out at U of R. She's, well, she's not playing this year. She's just playing. She's just going to school. She's actually one of the managers on the basketball team, which she really is enjoying that and, and just going to school. She's uh, having a really good year. She's very happy. Sometimes that's okay, too. Let's get started on Buddy Scoop. Well, you know, ACC Player of the Week honors, co-honors, uh, 18 straight points in the game against Virginia Tech. Scoring inside. Great game for Buddy. And how do you feel about how he's doing? I mean, you got to feel great about it. Well, he's, we need him to have a good year for us to win. <clears throat> so, you know, that's the important thing. It's uh, We obviously we need everybody to play well, but uh, certainly we, we need him to, to put the ball in the basket for us. That helps our team. But uh, he's improved. He's worked really hard. I think our backcourt has gotten much better. Joe's played really well since he's been in there. Um, uh, you know, offensively, we're getting better all the time. Our defense has been a little better. But it's not good enough yet, but we're getting better with some of the things that we're trying to do on defense now. But uh, we still got a ways to go. We still got to get better. That's, that's a huge key for us is to keep getting better as we go along. We're still a young team. We're still capable of getting better, and that's what we're trying to do. Jim, I, I'm interested in not so much in your reaction, but what was Julie's reaction when Buddy was running back down the court after he was saying that Hunter Couture can't guard him? <laughs> <laughs> well, he was excited. That's what happens when you're a player. You get emotional, and that was great to you know get emotional about it, get ready to go. And 
uh, you know, be a leader out there. That's important for us. So all these young guys have to step up. So far, that's that's what they've started to do, and hopefully we'll keep getting better. Tough game at Notre Dame. All the games are tough. There's nothing easy in this league. Every game's right down to the wire now, and, you know, we just have to hopefully keep getting better as we go along. The Athletic did a piece on how you put that lineup in at the end of the Virginia Tech game that you hadn't used once in a while where we might put Elijah back there. I don't think that'll be very often. He's a forward. That's where he's best. Are you familiar with Matt Gutierrez of The Athletic? Yeah, he's a very good writer. He sure is. He talked about your success in tight games, and I was just wanted to throw something at you and see, see what your reaction is. Is it because as far as like Brent Axe is concerned and him telling you you maybe not to play the man-to-man so much... Is that the success in the tight games? I mean, I'm kidding, obviously, uh, but the adjustments that you've made over the years and, and your reaction basically that, listen, I've been here and done this before. I, I kind of know what I'm doing. You're not, you need to listen to me. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter whether I do or not. I'm the coach, so whatever I do is what we're going to do. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully you wouldn't be here for 44 years if it wasn't working at least some of the time. Um, you know, for you know, whatever defense you play, it has to be good at the end of the games, and uh, you have to make good, sound plays uh, offensively at the end of the games. That's how you win those close games. It's difficult to do when you're in a close game. Uh, you know, they can go either way. You just try to give your team an opportunity to win, get the ball in the right hands, and, and try to play the right type of defense. Even out of our zone, we change it up a lot. So all those decisions, uh, you know, if the players execute it, you have a chance to win. Uh, if the players have a great game plan, a great idea, if the players don't execute it, you're not going to win. So it's a player's coaching type thing, but it's what the players do that really determines who wins the game, and uh, you know, hopefully we can keep doing that. Jim Beheim, you will hear him every week of the basketball season on the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, now at 96.5 FM. If you are a soccer fan, not football, but football, if you like a match on a pitch, Ryan Hall, head coach of Utica City FC, is in studio with us today, and we are going to recap their weekend against the Ambush in St. Louis. They won one, they lost one, and it's next. It's the SportsZilla Show on 1310 AM Utica, 1350 AM Rome, and 96.5 FM ESPN Radio Utica, Rome. Here's Rain, Scoop, and Matt. And after the broadcast, get the podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, our social media links, We'll have them, of course, at USPN, at ESPN, you are now on Instagram. Cool. Uh, If I can say that. Uh, Gritty in a little bit of trouble. Okay, there's more to this, though, because there's a story. It came out a little while ago that Gritty, the mascot of the Philadelphia Flyers, punched somebody. A 13-year-old kid, actually. Now being investigated by police because a complaint complaint has been filed, yes. There's more? Well, there's more that uh, I didn't know. See, let me set the stage for you to see. This is an event for season ticket holders. This gentleman by the name of Chris Greenwell from Delaware, yeah. a season ticket holder, and he and his son Brandon are getting a photo with Gritty. Now, he alleges uh, that after his son Brandon patted Gritty on the head a number of times, uh, that after the photo shoot, the photo op, Gritty took a running start and punched the 13-year-old kid in the back. All right? Now, as as the story, as I initially read it was, he writes the flyers, he complains, you know, what's going on. But what I've learned is that 
when he wrote the Flyers to complain, the first thing he complained about was not that his son was punched, but about the quality of the photo that they got Come on. with Gritty. Come on. Because Gritty was not looking in the camera. That literally, according to the Philadelphia Inquirer, was the first thing that this father Move along. complained about. <laughs> Nothing he, to see here. Then he launches into this whole thing about how Gritty hits his son. Uh, the team, in turn, offers some perks, wants to make it right with the kid, wants him to remain a Philadelphia Flyers fan. The dad, not satisfied with that exchange, turns it into police who are now investigating. Now, bear in mind, this was a season ticket holder event, and apparently there were hundreds, perhaps thousands of people in line waiting to get a photo with Gritty. This is a, a, probably, arguably, the most popular mascot in sports right now. Without question, does Gritty go bad Santa here? Like, drunk Santa's beating up kids, if you remember seeing well, it. So. We all know that Gritty has those bully tendencies. The Flyers have actually sort of described his character as such. But if there are hundreds, maybe thousands there, it's not picked up on any cameras. Yeah. There aren't any other fans mm-hmm. who have uh, can would agree with this story or can, can say that it's factual. It sounds fishy, and especially fishy now that we learned that the first thing the dad complains about is the quality of the photo op with Gritty. And not Gritty going Mortal Kombat on his son. Yeah, we... <laughs> Number one, if that's your son, maybe you go Mortal Kombat on Gritty. Agreed. Right? Number two, that's going to be the first thing that you complain about. Yes. The fact that Gritty isn't looking in the camera or is looking away. Well, why are is... you writing a letter about it? Why aren't you complaining right then and there? It's uh, that's, that's, just... all, that's another thing. It's a little s- suspicious... You know, now the dad is huffing and puffing. I'll never get season tickets again. It sounds to me like he was maybe frustrated about the length of time he had to wait to get the autograph, frustrated about the picture he got, and he decides, I'll show them. I'll make these. It sounds fishy to me now. Suspect. We live in a litigious society. ESPN Radio Utica, Rome, now 96.5 FM with the Sportzilla Show. And, oh, Ryan, well, we're going to start talking soccer with Ryan Hall. I was about to say he's in the studio, but do you have a final comment on Gritty? Yeah. Audie would things, never do that. Two things. Number one, in today's day and age with cell phones, you would have think somebody in that atmosphere would have caught it. Mm-hmm. And number two, doesn't doesn't Gritty have googly eyes? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so he's upset that he's not staring at the camera knowing that the mascot has googly eyes and, and has impossible. no control over where he's looking anyways? <laughs> you make a very valid point. I mean, it seems a little, little far-fetched to me. You spent the weekend in St. Louis Friday and then a game on Sunday at a couple of matches out there. Uh, You told us off the air that you were a few guys down with some injuries. So overall in second place, tied with Milwaukee, 7-3 on the season. Utica City FC was basically, as the headline says, stunned in St. Louis on Friday. 7-6, you lost in a shootout after having a 5-1 lead. You know, you ended up winning on Sunday 11-5, but let's start with Friday night and... uh, What's, what's the coach's answer for what happened for all the City fans out there? Sure, of course. So, yeah, we played very well. We came out strong. Uh, we dominated the game in terms of the run of play. We go up, you know, 5-1, to one, head into the fourth. We had plenty of opportunities to put this game away. To their credit, uh, Paulo, who's the, the St. Louis goalkeeper, stood on his head, made some tremendous saves. And then, you know, Everton being the experienced coach that he is, he pulls his keeper at the start of the fourth, and this is where we started to run into some trouble. So you mentioned some injuries. 
we had uh, three guys, three particular players who who typically run on our six attacker defense, and unfortunately they weren't there. So we had to substitute and plug in players that haven't gotten normal reps, that aren't very experienced, and St. Louis capitalized. So although you know, although the the headline says stunned, you know, it, from a coach's standpoint, you could sort of start to read see the writing on the wall as they were picking us apart because these guys just didn't have the experience. Um, and then on the flip side of that. To our credit, you know, our guys dug in, you know, and they battled for five positions that are on the field. We had seven guys. So we only had two subs for five positions for 15 minutes, an entire quarter. So these guys were gassed. They gave it everything they had. We went into overtime. Um, we had opportunities in overtime. Again, you know, things we could have done better, uh, but also Paulo made some tremendous saves. Uh, Matt Perella, who got his first action of the year in goal, made some unbelievable saves, kept us in the game. And so those, those guys you know, prolonged it. And unfortunately we lost in the shootout, but you know, that at the end of the day, that falls on me. I had to recognize that these players who weren't on the six attacker D should have gotten more reps. Um, you know, and, and you go to Saturday, we, we break the film down. We addressed it. We walked through it and we made sure those guys knew their responsibilities and, and then Sunday took care of itself. Ryan kids in the hall, head coach of Utica city FC with us here on the Sportszilla show on ESPN radio. You know, it's funny, I asked you the question, that question off of the air, did not expect you to necessarily be as forthcoming on the air. You didn't have to take it, you know, take ownership of it, take the blame for what had happened, being down some players and what you had to deal with on that Friday night win. And I had said to you off the air, that's leadership, that's respect, that's why these guys in the locker room play, that's why they persevered, that's why they fought back, that's why they dealt with this, because you're not mad at your team at the end of that game, after you surrender a 5-1 lead, you're pissed off in general that you lost the game and it was a heartbreaking situation and shootout. So what does the team do? You work through things on Saturday. You go over those coverages that you didn't necessarily, hadn't necessarily coached them up or taught them, some of the guys that weren't as familiar. And then you answer the bell on Sunday and you come back and you roll them 11 to 5. So the team got galvanized. The team got motivated. The team got angry. So I think that they were charging in the locker room before that for the match on Sunday, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the it's a hard conversation to have when you blow a 5-1 league in the locker room afterwards. Um, you know, of course you're disappointed. Uh it's humiliating when, you know, from the outside looking at it. Uh, but I, I definitely told the boys, you know, I was proud of their efforts. Uh, we were short-sighted and we even had a player go down, uh, Diegas go down during the game. So, you know, that made us even less in terms of our bench numbers. But you couldn't, you could not question their effort. I mean, they, those guys were literally just dragging and crawling off the field at the end of the game. Um, but that being said, you know, you got to pick up the pieces. There's, there's no time. And it was, a, for me, a blessing that we got to play them right back again. And a lot of the guys were throwing around the word revenge. And, and for me, it, it, it had nothing to do with revenge. It was more about, you know, proving to, to ourselves that that wasn't the team that came out Friday night. Yeah. So we, you know, after the game, I sat, broke the film down, met with the guys early in the morning. I didn't want to keep them out all day, watched the film, broke it down, had guys we went through walkthroughs. And, you know, to their credit, you know, the, for me, it wasn't revenge. It was more of resiliency and, and recovery. And, and they, they came back and they played tremendously on Sunday. So you've got some time off. Some of these guys can heal, hopefully. And then a week from Friday, it's this darn St. Louis team again uh, at the Adirondack <laughs> Bank Center. So if there's any bad feelings, the, the, they may surface again a week from Friday. Yeah, I mean, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call them bad feelings. Uh, Everton is a tremendous coach. I think we have more firepower than they do at the end of the day. 
but they're very well organized. Um, they're a futsal based organization, which is a very technical. And so a lot of them aren't used to the, the boards and the indoor soccer game, which is where we could capitalize. Uh, but at the, at the same time, you know, the fact that we were able to, to turn and to make some adjustments and, and play that well on Sunday, if these players, when we're anticipating them coming back, it, it'll be a whole different atmosphere when the, when these guys get back on our roster. And you got to be sick of them a little bit after that, <laughs> after this coming game. So I got to ask you, how do you deal with that time off? Um, are you pushing the guys harder one week than the next? Or are you giving them kind of a break at the beginning of the week? How are you doing that? So for me, like our schedule is very spotty. So we've had, we've had a couple of weekends where we haven't played. And as a coach, that's the most challenging aspect. You know, you, as you play every weekend, you get into a rhythm and you have a set schedule of certain days that are slow and then you build them up. You know, for me, these guys get tired of kicking each other every day. So the opponents break that up and it doesn't become so monogamous. And I gave them, we, we landed back in uh, Syracuse on Monday. I gave them yesterday off. We came back to work today. We'll train this week. I'll let them have the weekend off. So, but there's a fine balance and then we're back to work on Monday and we'll, we'll prep for Friday night's game. But it, there's a fine balance of allowing guys the time to recover and relax and recuperate. But also that could be a double-edged sword because if they're not working and they're not pushing and then they come out and they go full steam, that's where you can create injuries and, you know, you get out of sync. So that's when hamstrings happen. hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we, we, we try to cater it to go back and forth, um, you know, so far so good. And, and hopefully these guys who are healthy, who are taking the time to get, you know, back on the, on the field and on the pitch uh, are able to do so next week. Ryan Kidd's in the hall, head coach, Utica City FC, talking UCFC, talking city, talking soccer. It's nice to have in prime time people driving around in the car. I want to ask you, we got a break coming up here. Give me 30 seconds, and we've done this repeatedly when you've been on with us, but talk again about these fans supporting this team because it never ceases to amaze me. It's, it's, it's something you can't. You can't really describe. Uh, so even after Friday night's game, you know, we had several supporters reach out to us, you know, unlucky, get them back. You have Sunday. Isn't that great? Uh, it's incredible. I mean, it, it is, it, it puts into perspective that this is bigger than just, just us, just a team that, yeah, it, that sure. encapsulates the entire city, the entire, you know, I mean, and you see that more, you, you more so when you walk out for the introductions, when you see that standing ovation and everyone's cheering, I mean, it, it's absolutely incredible. I know it's, uh, it definitely boosts our team. It, it, it scares the crap out of the opponents. I can tell you that. Um, everyone loves playing here because of the atmosphere, but they're also, I mean, they don't, they don't see this everywhere. They go. It's intimidating. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 so we love it. Um, you know, it's, it's been a blessing. We loved our fans in Syracuse, but the, the move here has been the, the greatest transition. We, us as soccer players and as a coach and as an organization could ever ask for. And then on the flip side, the welcoming, I mean, just the fact that the city has just taken us in, you know, everywhere we go, everyone's polite, welcomes us. When we return, we're out in the community, and it's just been its been absolutely amazing. You're absolutely the right man for the job. The more and more I get to know you, uh, you're a great leader of these men in that locker room, perfect guy to lead this team moving forward. And I know you're locked up at least for another season after this. I, I just hope it's a nice, long relationship. I know you love what you do. Ryan Hall's going to stick with us for the remainder of the Sports Illustrated Show. We're going to talk about Major League Baseball, the Hall of Fame. We've got some stuff on the NFL and the Super Bowl and a couple of little things related to the NBA. We're going to get to it all. ESPN Radio Utica, Rome now at 96.5 FM. The Sportzilla Show is now streaming on the ESPN app. Here's Rain, Scoop, and Matt. There is one of 379, isn't that the number, baseball writers? One who did not vote for Derek Sanderson Jeter, number two, Derek Jeter. Oh, my God, John! Oh my God, I love David Cena. One, one guy, and we know he's a Red Sox fan. It's not a conspiracy theory. There's no other way you don't vote for Derek Jeter. 
removing my emotional response in Yankees bias, that is the biggest load of crap I've ever heard in my entire life. Well, how much longer is he going to be alive? Because O.J. Simpson's talking about it. That's the thing. <laughs> so the glue guy, the boss, Matt Page, right before we go on the air. We're, we're, Why are you giving my name out, man? That's dangerous. Oh, O.J. If O.J.'s listening, um, I, I meant Pat Mage. I gotta go. Pat Mage. <laughs> Pat Mage. He's um, he's not glue. He's water. <laughs> okay. That guy. The, he's not the boss. He, he's fired. You don't work here anymore. Okay. I, I think I backed off everything, right? Cool. Sure. But he goes, you got to hear what O.J. said. About, about Derek Jeter and all that, and I'm like, no. So, of course, he got us the audio. Just got off the golf course and heard something I couldn't believe. Who wouldn't vote for Derek Jeter for Baseball Hall of Fame? This man has been a credit to the game. He's been a credit to sports. Uh, he's had a hell of a career. I mean, seriously, take that guy's vote away from him. He should never be able to vote again. He's probably from Boston, but even Boston people appreciate good baseball. I'm just saying, get rid of that guy. What? Get rid of that guy. If there's anybody that I don't want a little bit agitated with me, it might be Orenthal James Simpson. If it, listen, we've had to deal with whistleblowers as far as you know the government and politics. Um, I hope nobody outs the the guy that didn't vote for Derek Jeter because if OJ finds out, we could have a problem. Am I the only one that's uh, if if I was him, knowing OJ, I was on OJ's radar. Would you be nervous? I gotta go, dude. Yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> you said my name. Get the hell out of here, man. Ryan Hall from Utica City FC with us. Your opinion on that? I'm nervous for this guy. I mean, it does take a lot of stones to be the one guy, the one single guy to vote against him. But if OJ's calling you out, <laughs> yeah, it's good luck. Yeah, good, good luck. luck. That's all you can say is good yeah. luck. It's got to be somebody from Boston. It does. It's the only way it makes any sense. It's a, the guy is a serious Red Sox fan with an axe to grind. Or it's just some sports writer going, I'll be the only guy who didn't vote for Derek Jeter. You contrarian. I'm surprised we haven't had a writer fess up to it, because if that's the case, like you say, Matt, you know, he probably wants attention for that. Could it be a disgruntled uh, former teammate or manager that, you know, maybe had a little quarry with him in the locker room and this was his way to get back at him to be the one, the well, one and only? They're baseball writers who, who vote this. There's got to be so, some credential so at this it, point, though, right? Maybe at some point the guy had a bad interview with Jeter or... But, but I think more than likely it's a Red Sox fan who's just like, oh, I hate the But Yankees. Scoop, you and I were texting last night. The headlines weren't just that Derek Jeter was a Hall of Famer. It was... Not a unanimous Hall of Fame. Almost unanimously. Well, and the, think about think about how much money Cha-Ching the Yankees make if you have two, the only two in back-to-back years being voted in unanimously. It's just it's an embarrassment. The New York Post has an article today. If you want to read up on this, as you know, it's dominating social media, video, and things like that. They're down in Cooperstown and whatnot. But the New York Post has an article that basically says, okay, if Derek Jeter's not a unanimous selection to the Hall of Fame, you've got to look at who you're giving the right to vote to. You've got to look at the credentials because you have got to be able to step back and remove a personal bias with something like that. As I said to you guys earlier, when David Ortiz comes up, he's a Red Sox. And I'm as a fan, I loathe the Red Sox, okay? But I'm voting 
for David Ortiz to go into the Hall of Fame. Clearly. Well, you have to respect what he's done. Absolutely. I, I mean, my goodness gracious. Just against the Yankees alone, look what he did in the World just in his last World Series at like 39 or 40 years old. He like 700. If that's not a clutch Hall of Fame player, he's got three rings. Well, these baseball writers of America are notoriously cranky. And at 379 votes, to me, it doesn't seem like a lot. You would think there would be more people voting on this. I guess that's, you know, the number of the baseball writers of America that can vote. But that does not seem like a lot of votes. You would think, really, ultimately, some guys like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens would be in there. But it's these cranky pants that don't vote them in because they have that steroid axe to grind. You're not going to let it go. You can't ignore the era that they played in. You're scratching too many guys off the list. Glue guy. How much percentage do they need to get voted in? Is it like 75%? 75%. Yep. So 75% of 379, that's a lot of votes. Oh, yeah. I mean, but it's literally one guy. So it's like <laughs> 99.7% of the vote. That's just ridiculous. The Sportzilla shows on ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, now at 96.5 FM. Buster Olney, baseball writer. You've seen him all over ESPN. Even he's like, what's up with the guy that didn't vote for Jeets? He's baffled by it, too. I can't imagine a reason. Why you wouldn't put him on the ballot, not only is he eminently qualified in terms of his playing career, uh, he w- there wasn't a whiff of scandal around him, he never showed up in any report or anything, and we're now kind of moved past that time when there's a logjam on the ballot, because guys like Mark McGuire have cycled through, guys like Sammy Sosa have cycled through. It's not hard to find a spot for any particular player on the ballot in 2020 and that's why I was perplexed when one voter decided he wasn't going to put his name on the ballot or she wasn't going to put his name on the ballot. And Tim, I don't get it. Well, I get it. The other guy that we didn't talk about yet, his name is Larry Walker. And he's the second Canadian. Fergie Jenkins, right, Scott? Yep, Ferguson Jenkins in there. And, of course, a former Utica Blue Sox player. You got it. Played here in 1985. Really only showed a little glimpse here in Utica of what he would ultimately become as, uh, uh, you know, uh, an expo and, uh, you know, played for Jeez, I'm trying to remember all the different teams he played for. But 313 career hitter was only 223 here in Utica, only hit two home runs here in Utica, known for crushing the ball, a most valuable player. You know, it went on to a great career, but in 1985, he was at Murnane Field in a Utica Blue Sox uniform. Blue guy, open up the message we received on the uh, Facebook page, I think it was, about the field in Little Falls in the New York Penn League. I don't want to forget to give him some credit because he updated us on some information. We were talking about one of the fields that was either Oneon or Little Falls that had that 365-foot mark in center field, which is ridiculously short. If you think about it, they were making a big deal when the London Series was at like 380 I mean, most of the time it's 400 or a little bit more, but I want to share that. But I also wanted to note while Glue Guy's looking for that. It was talking about Elway, by the way. Was it Elway we yeah, were talking about when yeah. he played in Oneana? Yes. Uh, one second. Ken Brett was the manager of the Utica Blue Sox, by the way. George Brett, his brother with the Kansas City Royals. See, uh-huh. I remember watching Ken Brett as a pitcher. As, as a Pittsburgh Pirate. And I remember a game, you know, he's pitching and he hit a home run. You know, that back in the day when you would see pitchers hit a little more often. There was a story in on Qs.com if you want to read up a little bit more on what we're talking about. Uh, but there is a new manager for the Mets named Luis Rojas, signed a two-year deal, which brings me right back to their former New York Penn League affiliate, the Little Falls Mets. They played the Oneana Yankees. They played 
the Utica Blue Sox, and on and on and on. But what's the guy's name that answered us yesterday? It was Eddie. Yeah, Eddie. Give, us, give us what he said. So Little Falls uh, Veterans Memorial Park had a short center field, as you were talking about yesterday. Um, he saw Elway play for Oneonta versus the Little Falls Mets, and he broke out of his slump that day. He said uh, eventually made the NYP All-Star team that year. The New York Penn League All-Star team that year. John Elway hit a rocket. Really appreciate everybody out there listening, and feel free to contribute at ESPN Sportzilla on Twitter, the Sportzilla Show on Facebook at ESPN. You are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're going to come right back. Ryan Hall from Utica City FC still in the studio with us. ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, now 96.5 FM. It's the Sportzilla Show on 1310 AM Utica, 1350 AM Rome, and 96.5 FM ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. Here's Rain, Scoop, and Matt. And you can listen to us on your Amazon smart speaker after you enable the Alexa skill on your phone. You can simply say, open ESPN Utica Rome. You say, Alexa, open ESPN Utica Rome. And then if you do that tomorrow, you can listen to UC basketball coach Sean Coffey. When we do Coffee for Three, we'll talk to him about uh, this past weekend, which didn't go so well, and some of the upcoming games. And, of course, tonight, Rain and I moving over to the Brothers Station at 6.30 for pregame tonight. The Comets hosting the Binghamton Devils, who have lost two games in a row, but have won eight out of their last ten coming into the Adirondack Banks. Joe Roberts and his wife have a beautiful baby daughter. He's going to be off for a couple Congratulations. games. Congratulations. Congratulations, Joe. Ray Razor Biggs will have the call tonight. It's just fantastic. Everybody is happy and healthy, and they're doing great, and we wish them nothing but the best. And of course. hopefully there's a good uh, birthday present for uh, Chico. Yeah, Chico, Rob Ash's birthday today. Uh, of course, that means Joe Roberts' daughter has to share a birthday with Rob Ash, but he's already had 42 of them, as I've said, so she gets today. Today is her day, Rob. Don't take that from her, all right? Programming night. Programming note, Lakers, Brooklyn Nets, tomorrow, 7.30, right here on ESPN Utica, Rome. Uh, Friday, Wisconsin at Purdue at 6.45. Saturday, Villanova at Providence at 12.45. And the Lakers and 76ers is your nighttime game at 8 p.m. They're on their East Coast swang, their road trip. Okay, Super Bowl Sunday, Chiefs, 49ers, and prop bets, guys. They're always out there. They tweak them a little bit every year. There's some new ones with J-Lo at halftime, as you know. Well, um, there's some expectations that we all hope for that we might not see, but if we do, it's okay. Ryan Kids in the Hall, UCFC head coaches in studio with us. Uh, we gave you a list, but there's so many more. What are some of your favorite prop bets during Super Bowl Sunday? The first one that pops out is has got to be whether or not uh, Jayla will show some butt cleavage by accident if it just happens naturally. Well, that's a whole separate prop bet. The wardrobe malfunction thing is a prop bet. And Will she, there be a wardrobe malfunction? Shakira is part of this too, right? The hips yep, don't lie. Yep. Who's who are you saying she might show up with? Ramos, her husband. Yeah, uh, big time soccer player. So that throws in your question: Who shows up with J Lo? Aaron. Is he there? Of course, he's going to be there. He's probably going to be shown throughout the whole game. Yeah. What the, what's the outcome of the puppy bowl? Like that's 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 <laughs> a prop bet. Which uh, John Sterling uh, usually broadcasts. Yeah. Uh, color of the Gatorade being dumped. Yep, what color? One. Yep. Will 98-year-old Betty White be in the Snickers commercial? Uh, there's some great ones. What color will Demi Lovato's hair be when she sings the national anthem? What else jumped out to you, Scoop? Well, uh, will any player use a prop as part of a touchdown celebration? And I'm wondering, you know, I know a lot of people will go to Turning Stone to bet on the game, but can you bet on the prop bets? 
at Turning Stone, their new sports book there. Yeah, that's what we've been wondering. That's interesting. A couple loose ends to tie up before we get out of here for the night. Utica College men's hockey team top uh, broke into the top five in the national poll. We wanted to give a shout to the brain Gary Heenan. Uh, they just had a great weekend, and they're just in a good spot this year. You're looking at a championship contender. It's that simple. Yes? Just oh, one minute. Oh, you were yeah. just telling yeah. me. How long I have? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Big weekend, though. Newman, Newman, I, University, Manhattanville. We peripheral visioned on that one, glue guy. <laughs> I know you're hyped about this, though, and I'm glad that you caught my attention because Brian Winhorst talked about the expectations. I know you and I are big NBA fans, and we've been waiting and waiting and waiting to see Zion Williamson. So this is what he said about his debut tonight. They want to play him in short four or five minute bursts. So I think you'll see him play a little piece of each quarter and it'll add up to 15 to 20 minutes. I don't think you're going to see him out there for huge stretches. I don't think you're going to see him put up a massive stat line coming out of the gate like LeBron did. But I am expecting if he's healthy, and I'm sure he is, some explosive play right out of the gates. How many points does Carmelo have now, Scoop? 26,000. He's over. Hit that milestone. Congratulations. We'll break that down in detail Probably tomorrow. The Sportzilla Show, every Monday through Friday, 5 to 6, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, now at 96.5 FM.